The Productive Woman, Episode 403. Hello and welcome to this episode of The Productive Woman. My name is Laura McClellan and this is a podcast about productivity for busy women. My goal is to help you find the tools and encouragement you need to manage your time, life, stress, and stuff so you can accomplish the things you care about most and make a life that matters. Thank you so much for joining me. In this episode, we're continuing our recurring productive reading series, this time talking about some key takeaways from Life Makeover, written by a longtime television news anchor based in Houston. You'll find more information and links in the show notes for this episode at theproductivewoman.com slash 403. So as I said, we're continuing our productive reading recurring series in this episode. In the past, if you haven't heard the, the past episodes, we've talked about lessons and key takeaways I found in books such as Gary Keller's The One Thing, which is episode 133, The Power of Habit by Charles Duhigg in episode 147, three books written by Brene Brown in episode 166, Uh, Episode 182 focused on soulful simplicity by Courtney Carver. And episode 211, we talked about the free time formula by Jeff Sanders. Then we followed that with James Clear's wonderful book, Atomic Habits, in episode 230. Free to Focus by Michael Hyatt in episode 250. Maura Neville Thomas's Attention Management in episode 271. The Minimalist Home by Joshua Becker in episode 324, Greg McEwen's book Effortless in episode 349, and then Cal Newport's Digital Minimalism, episode 366. These are all excellent books that I recommend, and you can check out those episodes if you'd like to hear some of my key takeaways from those books. This time, I'm sharing some of my most important takeaways from a new book by Houston native journalist and YouTuber Dominique Sexy. So who is Dominique? I always like to kind of share, you may not know her, she's not maybe is well known outside of Texas and outside of the Houston area. Her book cover flap copy describes her this way. Dominique Saxe is an Emmy award-winning journalist who anchored the news for KPRC in Houston, Texas for nearly 28 years, beginning her career as a traffic reporter and working her way up to the anchor desk. She quickly became a role model for women. In 2014, she launched her YouTube channel as a place to offer fashion, beauty, and lifestyle tips for women in their prime, and the response was enormous. Today, she has nearly 2 million subscribers. She balances her YouTube channel, content creation, and social media encouragement with her own practice of self-care, family commitments, and charity events. I read the book because I found Dominique's YouTube channel a a year or two ago, and I've really enjoyed her mix of beauty, self-care, and mindset topics. Unlike many of the the so-called lifestyle influencers on YouTube, she focuses her channel on offering tips and encouragement to 
what I refer to as women of a certain age. So she is in her early 50s, I believe. And I really appreciate her transparency and her positive attitude and positive approach. So because of that, when she announced the release of her first book, I wanted to see what she had to say. So I pre-ordered it. And I read it recently. I, I really enjoyed it. She kind of caught my attention with, with the opening information in the book. On the front flap of the book cover, it asks this question. Have you ever caught a glimpse of yourself in the mirror and wondered, who is that? Have you ever been so overwhelmed by a sea of responsibilities or the never-ending pull of other people's needs that you forgot to make time for yourself? If so, you're not alone. Dominique Saxe has been there, and she has a powerful message for you. The path to a bold, beautiful, and blessed you starts with just one small, brave step. And that, to me, was intriguing. The book uh, is called Life Makeover. It's subtitled Embrace the Bold, Beautiful, and Blessed You. And it shares both very personal stories of her life and tips that Dominique has gleaned during her 50 plus years on the planet for reconnecting with your authentic self. And I, I enjoyed that message. I, it resonated with me. In the introductory section of the book, she opens with a note to the reader that starts with this. This book is for every woman who has ever found herself adrift in unknown waters, as if she woke up one day living a life wholly unfamiliar to her and seemingly powerless to chart a new course. It is equally for every woman who has felt as if she's lost in a sea of other people's needs or drowning in endless responsibilities. And it is for every woman who has been simply swept away, her identity all but forgotten in the tidal wave of life. And, you know, again, that resonated with me. Uh, I've been there, and I think a lot of us have been there. We are very focused on taking care of the people in our lives and dealing with our day-to-day responsibilities. And you can reach a, you know, a certain age, and I suppose this can happen at any time, but you, you can certainly reach a certain age and stage of your life and, and look in the mirror and say, I... I don't know who you are anymore. I don't recognize who you are. And this book is written for for us, th- those of us who felt that way. Very much like her YouTube channel, this book addresses topics related to our outward appearance. Dominique is a stunningly beautiful woman, but she takes a very practical approach to appearance and all of that. She's very clear both on her YouTube channel and in this book, about her belief that beauty is far more than skin deep. Nevertheless, she says, appearance matters because first impressions matter. She says in the early part of the book, whether it's fair or not, we can't change the fact that the way we look is powerful. It's the thing that gets our foot in the door, wherever that door may lead. So rather than ignoring that fact or trying to change it, let's lean into that notion and use it to generate change within us. Let's consider beauty from the outside in. And that's kind of a concept that she she talks about in the book. And as to why she advocates that approach, again, she's saying beauty comes from within, and that matters more than anything else. But 
We can make steps towards increasing our internal beauty starting on the outside. And she, she says in sort of why she advocates that approach, true beauty may ultimately come from within and it is important to develop that inner beauty. But I found it really helpful to start on the outside and work my way in. In fact, what we do on the outside directly influences what happens on the inside. Read any self-help book and you'll find that improving your happiness, increasing your level of fulfillment, or reconnecting with your passions and purpose, those are processes. They don't happen overnight, so they require patience. You can't rush the development of inner beauty, but the good news is you can rush your appearance, and working on your appearance can give you a jump start on developing the rest of you. So, you know, beauty is far more than skin deep, but I think her point and and the the approach she takes in the book is sometimes we can, as she puts it, kickstart our our internal development, the development of ourselves as an individual and as a, you know, all those sorts of things by taking some steps on our external appearance as well. But she then assures the reader that this is not a beauty book. It's a book about getting where you want to be in your life and about becoming the best version of you there is. So that's, you know, that's kind of her philosophy and her approach. An early chapter or two cover tips for making changes in your appearance, whether your hair, your makeup, your clothes or whatever. But as a catalyst for other changes you want in your life. Nothing in this book suggests that there's anything wrong with you as you are. The idea, the kind of the premise behind the book is that if you're looking for change in your life, this is a quick and easy way to start the ball rolling. She says, seeing yourself differently will motivate you to start doing your life differently. She encourages the reader to believe that whatever stage of life you're at, if you're not satisfied, you can make a change and that you deserve the time, energy, and attention it takes to do so. Uh, She says, I need you to say and believe one essential truth about yourself. I am my most valuable investment. And this is a concept that she reiterates throughout the book. She points out that an investment in yourself is not selfish, but valuable and necessary if you're going to bring your best self to the roles in your life that are important to you professionally, personally, and relationally. She says you won't be as good as you could be in any of those roles unless you start prioritizing yourself, believing that you have something to contribute that you're worthy of the investment of time, effort, attention, and love puts out a message. Get ready. I'm about to do something special, be someone special, and help myself and others feel special. She goes on to say, and know the process of self-investment is not selfish. In fact, it's what makes it possible for you to be truly unselfish because your account is full you will be able to pay out increases. You'll discover new joy in giving because you actually have something to give. You're not in a deficit anymore. You're not depleted and in the red. And it all started by believing you're worth the time and money and effort to improve yourself. And I I find that really encouraging, a really a, a wise approach that we we can you can't you know serve other people out of an empty cup you've got to fill yourself up in order to have something to give to other people um 
Now, when she talks about appearance, she's very clear that although impressions matter, we don't change our appearance based on other people's opinions. Um, She says, I'm not even going to factor in what others think because I want you to get out of the habit of allowing that to dominate your decision making. And she then says, the outside-in approach to beauty isn't for other people's perception of you, but for your interpretation of you and how much you're willing to explore. So that's kind of where she's coming from when she talks about sort of the outward stuff. And that uh, kind of flows through the entire book. So some of my key takeaways and some of the quotes that got me thinking as I read uh, this book the Life Makeover by Dominique Saxe. The first one is something I mentioned just a minute ago that she reiterates throughout the book. You are your most valuable investment. Uh, And that it was, I hadn't really thought about it in those terms before, but she expounds on that throughout the book. And she also acknowledges that a lot of us have trouble accepting that idea She says, many women have sidelined their own needs and desires for so long that they lost touch with who they really are and what they really need. It takes a bit of effort for them to lay down everything else long enough to prioritize themselves. As she goes on to say, so often we define ourselves by what we do instead of who we are. And I wonder if that, you know, kind of speaks to you. It certainly does to me. Uh, She says, I can say I'm a mom, a daughter, a content creator, an author, and so on, with all of these roles constituting areas of work in my life. But who am I really? And that's a great question. And she suggests an exercise to help if we have trouble answering questions like that. She encourages us to think back to when we were six years old and try to remember what we were like then, what we enjoyed doing, what we were good at, what was difficult for us, what made us sad or angry or afraid or excited or happy. And she says, it's a mental exercise designed to reconnect you with the powerful, positive emotions you felt as a child when you allowed your true self to lead the way. And the concept of this is it helps us to sort of reconnect with ourselves. Uh, As she describes it, by teaching your mind to release any self-limiting beliefs you may have formed as an adult, any insecurities and the stories you've been telling yourself about who you are, and adopting the mind of a child, you are resetting. In the process, you are getting to know the real you better. Uh, And I like that idea. She calls this a sort of cosmic wormhole back to the real you and encourages us the next time any voice in your head tries to convince you that you shouldn't be spending time on improving how you walk through life, just take a trip through the cosmic wormhole to remind yourself that you are worth it. So I really like that. Um, In addition to this idea of being... um, a valuable investment, you know, you, you yourself being your most valuable investment. She offers some real food for thought about the impact of our past on our present and our future and invites us to take the steps necessary to identify 
and let go of things from our past that get in our way. She says, sometimes to move forward, we have to release the past, the emotional chains that bind and limit our mobility. For most of us, there is a deep-seated connection between what has happened to us, how we responded, and the decisions we make in our present lives. And uh, to illustrate that, she shares a story about her difficult relationship with her father when she was younger and the impact it had on her life as an adult. And this was something that I could relate to because I've, I've, I had a, a similar, similarly difficult relationship with my dad for various reasons. She says, the relationship a daughter has with her father can often define her relationships later in life, not only with other people, but with herself. And um, I found myself nodding my head as I, as I read that. So first key takeaway, you are your most valuable investment. And she has a lot to say about that in the book. Uh, the second takeaway for me was creating a vision for your life can energize and direct your actions moving forward. And she asked this question, when you think about your life, are you focusing on the things that really matter to you? Or are you instead placing that focus and your precious time on things that are less important to you in the big picture of your life? Uh, a great question for all of us to answer. And you know, one of the the struggles we have is if we don't really know what matters, if we haven't thought through it. And she offers uh, an exercise that I've heard about this before, but I the way she kind of described it and laid out steps for doing it was really helpful to me, and it's something that I I think I want to spend some time on in in the coming months. And that is creating a vision board for your life. And actually, she does it in a little bit different way. She she encourages us to do two of them. One she calls a passion board, and the other she calls a talent board to, as she puts it, create more clarity, inspiration, and focus. So first of all, the passion board, and she says you can do you know a traditional vision board where it's a big piece of cardboard or something that you put images on, or you can do it in a journal, either digital or analog, or even a box of things that you gather. And about it, she says, your passions are simply what you care about most in life, what you love doing, what is meaningful to you at a deep level. And briefly, the steps for creating it are to capture what your passions are, whatever interests or activities that, as she says, have the power to engage your heart and soul. And um, she says, if you have trouble identifying what your passions are, ask those same questions that you asked of your six-year-old self in that earlier thing that I mentioned. And then once you have your list of your passions, read through and consider how it makes you feel. She says, seeing this list of passions right in front of you should generate a certain warmth and excitement and be a window to your joy. Then search for images to represent them. And you can look on the internet, in magazines, brochures, she says, even old books. Um, and as you're doing this, not uh, she encourages us not to censor ourselves. She says, keep in mind that you might not be in a position to act on your passions right now but you don't need to. What matters is for you to unleash your imagination sans limitations and find images that help you visualize your passions. 
And while you're looking for images, she says, look for quotes as well that inspire you. And after you have all of those gathered, you sort them and choose those that are most evocative of for you, most meaningful for you, and then create your board or journal or box, whatever you want to do. Uh, And then the same process sort of applies to the talent board, which in that case, she says, is images that reflect your gifts, talents, skills, and abilities, your tools for turning your passions into reality. And to create your talent board, you follow similar steps. You you create a list of your talents. And she says, if the word talent intimidates you, think of what you have a knack for, what tends to come easy for you, or what skills you've developed over the years. What have other people told you you're good at? What do you think you might be good at if you tried? What personal resources could help you develop your passions? So you come up with that list. And then you look for images to represent them and then you print, clip, gather, put them on a board or a journal or in a box or whatever. And you create these two boards. And then she says, once you finish creating your two vision boards, place them in a spot where you can see them every day, your bedroom dresser, your refrigerator, the front door, somewhere in your office. The process of creating them will have helped you learn about yourself, but the process of referring to them regularly will help them change the way you think and even dream. Let the images and words that represent your passions and talents sink into your very soul. Let them remind you that you are worthy and capable of transformation and let them be a source of energy and inspiration as you move forward. So I really like that idea. She obviously goes into more detail and some really great suggestions of how to do this and how valuable it can be in the book. Uh, I'm just trying to hit the highlights here without reading the whole book to you. Uh, so that's number two, this, this concept of creating a vision for your life and how it can help energize and direct you moving forward to accomplish the things that matter to you. The third takeaway for me, uh, that, you know, the third element of the book that really kind of spoke to me was where she talked about the power of rest, which I thought was interesting for someone who's very much, you know, she's a very accomplished woman and she encourages us to find and act on our passions and use our talents and gifts. But she talks about the power of rest. She says, when you're overworked, overstressed and underrested, you can't do anything well. And all of us say, amen. We know that, right? Um, And she talks about this concept of rest as being a very important part of what she says is the overall message I yearn to share with women. You must create space in your life to discover or rediscover who you really are. And so rest is important as part of that. If you haven't made space for that discovery, you're not going to be able to bring your best self to the world. Um, one thing she says every woman should do to live her best life is get your rest. She says a lack of rest has far-reaching and deeply painful fallout. We must learn how to mitigate the negative effects of the hurry-up attitude of today's world without rushing through life and missing what's really important. 
She also says we aren't meant to expend constant effort. Without a balance of exertion and rest, we simply cannot grow, and we also risk creating real damage to our bodies, our minds, and our spirits. And I think that's a really powerful reminder for all of us. Hard to, you know, to act on, right? Um, One of the things she talks about, in addition to just regular sleep, she talks about something called rest snackables, which she says are bite-sized moments of rest for both mind and body and opportunities to recharge your mind and body so you can approach your life, your goals, and those you love from a place of peace and contentment. And some of the snackables, the rest snackables, she talks about our meditation, uh, reading the Bible or other spiritual texts that are meaningful to you, stretching, getting outside and moving your body, and connecting with nature. And finally, she points out uh, that although sleep is important, it's not the only kind of rest we need. We also desperately need mental, emotional, and spiritual downtime, time for ourselves, time to think and dream and just chill out. And to get that necessary time out in our day-to-day lives, we need to set boundaries. If we don't make time for rest, no one will do it for us and our lives will suffer as a result. And so she does talk about, you know, graciously saying no and ways to do that. So this concept of of the importance of rest was a, a meaningful reminder to me as I read through this book. The fourth um, takeaway for me was the importance of overcoming fear with faith. And she does uh, touch in various places in the book on her own personal faith in God, but that's not what the book is about. And when she's talking about overcoming fear with faith, she says it started for her with learning to have faith in herself and then faith in God. Uh, And in this section where she talks about overcoming fear, she talks about various types of fears and offers really what I found to be very practical and and, uh, inspiring ideas for dealing with fear, uh, various kinds of fear. I especially liked what she had to say about dealing with fears of other people's judgment of you, because I think, you know, you may be like me, that that's that's a struggle for me. And she says, one of the things she says about this is, some battles simply aren't worth fighting. Sometimes it works best to just ignore a threat and let it roll off your back. I found this strategy is especially effective when it comes to those unsolicited judgments. I'm always astonished as to how readily people offer opinions about someone other than themselves. Some don't mean any harm. They really seem to think they're helping as if their assessment will finally get the other person to see things straight. And she then talks about shifting our own mindset to recognize other people's judgment of you really isn't about you as much as it is about them and about maybe something in their past or their experience. Uh, She says, there is an incredible freedom that arises when we stop basing our sense of self-worth on what others think of us and release ourselves from their judgment. You can't please everyone, so why even try? And I really like that. It reminds me of Brene Brown's suggestion of keeping a very, very short list of people whose opinion of you matters and then 
letting everybody else's opinion go. Uh, The fifth concept in the book that I found interesting was where she talks about staying classy. And, um, you know, she goes into what she means by class and being classy. And one of the things she says is class involves both looks and behavior, appearing and being. It's easy to identify a classy woman when you see her. She enters the room with her head high and shoulders back, confident and assured. She's not aloof. In fact, she's quite aware of her surroundings, catching an eye with a warm smile in return. She gives the impression of dignity and poise. She dresses with taste, closing her shape with cognizance of both her frame and frame of mind. She speaks from a place of knowledge and listens with respect to opinion, never hastily offering her own. And that one particularly kind of caught my attention because I have a tendency that I recognize in myself in conversation to sort of start offering my opinion pretty, pretty early on. And I like this idea of, of, of being classy in the sense of listening uh, respectfully to other people's opinions before I jump in with my own. One element of class, she says, is grace, uh, which of course caught my attention since we talk about that on this podcast, extending it toward others and toward yourself. She says, a classy woman will listen without interrupting and offer ideas without demeaning others or putting them down. She keeps her speech civil and even, never harsh, overly confrontational, or laced with profanity. She supports her opinions with facts, logic, and reason, and doesn't let her emotions run away with her. And if somebody doesn't agree with her, then she'll gracefully agree to disagree. And you know, I liked that description. She gets into other things about what it means to stay classy, but I I really liked kind of that description. That's, that's a woman I want to be like that, what she just described there. And so that's for me, aspirational. Uh, She offers suggestions on what constitutes classy behavior in including um, taking correction graciously, treating everyone with respect and kindness, watching your alcohol intake to avoid making a fool of yourself in public, uh, doing your best to be punctual and prompt, listening with compassion and empathy, and don't think so highly of yourself that you make others feel inferior. Good ideas and and, uh, food for thought for all of us, right? And she gets very practical in this chapter with a section about staying classy on Zoom. So that might be something worth worth reading for all of us who have to spend a lot of time for the last couple of years on Zoom or other video conferencing things for work and other purposes. Uh, So the next takeaway for me is (laughs) what I found interesting that in this book was she talked about the value of getting a hobby which she defines as basically any activity that is done for love and not for money. The hallmark of a hobby, she says, is that it gives us a break from our main pursuits in life. She says hobbies aren't just for fun, though. They make us active participants in life with a fuller range of experience. They help us tap into our creativity and explore what makes us the people we are. 
And, uh, you know, I, it's funny because not so long ago, I actually sort of started looking for something to take on as a hobby, something outside of uh, my legal practice, even podcasting and all the, you know, family things that I do. And I, I think I mentioned before that I recently bought one of those cricket machines, C-R-I-C-U-T, they're, they're, uh, cutting machines that you can do crafts with. And, uh, all the things she said in here about, uh, having a hobby or exploring hobbies, uh, made me think of that, the value that I've gotten from it. She asked this que- these questions, um, when she's talking about hobbies, what are we writing in our life book and how are we filling the pages? Are they consumed mainly with duty displeasure, boredom, and repetition? Or is your story about risk-taking, tenacity, great success, and great failures? Are you living? Great questions to ponder, right? So she goes through a process for identifying and pursuing a hobby, uh, basically put time on the calendar to do it, search your soul for things that you're interested in, intrigued by, or curious about. Don't censor yourself. For example, you don't have to be a skilled artist to give painting or photography a try. And she says, don't give up too easily. And she goes into more detail, but it it was a, a fun chapter to read and gave me some things to think about. Uh, the next thing or takeaway that I had or something that kind of gave me things to ponder, uh, kind of tie back to this idea of getting a hobby, but it's separate. And that is to never stop learning. And she points out that in order to learn something new, we have to be taught, but we also learn by being a teacher, whether in the role of a teacher or student, both of which can happen at any age, we all have the opportunity to impart wisdom or to absorb it. And then she has a very thought-provoking chapter about mentoring, both finding a mentor and being one that I I recommend. Uh, The next key concept in the book is something that kind of ties to her tagline that she uses on her pod or on her YouTube channel, which is be bold and be blessed. And so this concept of boldness, which she describes as summoning the courage to choose positive change and to act on that choice when the time is right for you, even if you're not sure what the result will be. She says, bold moves can be hard and sometimes scary, but they are necessary for growth and discovery. She also encourages us that your age or stage of life has no bearing whatsoever on your ability to make bold moves and important changes. There is, in fact, no excuse for sitting on the sidelines or letting someone else call the shots in your life. Um, you know, words of wisdom and a call to action for all of us, right? Now, she, she points out that this doesn't mean making rash, impulsive decisions without forethought. Um, in fact, she says a bold move has a better chance of succeeding if you count the cost. Think ahead of what it's going to take for you to, you know, what will come out of this bold move. Uh, and she also says it doesn't have to be a huge thing to be bold, In fact, she says, 
Practicing boldness in little ways is a great way to prepare yourself for bigger bold moves when the time is right. For instance, what is one thing you could do differently today? Can you work out in a different way or change your eating habits or maybe start learning a new language? Sometimes, she says, making just one move today leads to making more bolder moves tomorrow. And she offers some uh, examples of small, bold moves, maybe what she calls a life hack or tweak that helps you live better and more wisely, reducing waste, cutting costs, and using time more critically. Who doesn't want to live a more purposeful, intentional, thoughtful life, she asks. Or she says it could be a decision to reach out to someone you would like to know better, either someone you've never met or someone you haven't talked to in a long time. And then she talks about some bold moves she's been making to, uh, to towards simplifying her life, such as sorting through belongings and getting rid of what's not needed, paring down her schedule, purchasing with a purpose, and other things that she talks about in the book that all of us could consider. And then she offers some suggestions for steps to take when you're ready to make a bold move. First, look at your vision boards to reacquaint yourself with who you are and what matters to you. Then ask yourself questions like, what are three things I have control over in my life right now? What is one change I could make in each of those areas? And how would those changes impact my life? Uh, The next key concept that was uh, really encouraging to me personally in the book is this idea that it's never too late to start making bold moves to do new things. She says, you are never too old to grow. Please don't get caught up in the judgment, whether self-imposed or laid on you by others. At any moment, at any time in our lives, we have a chance to hit the reset button It's the ultimate gesture of grace we can offer ourselves aside from seeking forgiveness from God. And I love that, that hitting the reset button, the idea that it is the ultimate gesture of grace we can offer ourselves. She says, to redirect and redesign your life, you must do two things. One, analyze the past and see where you possibly sabotaged yourself. And two, Look for traits that served you well and can serve you in the purpose. The cosmic wormhole and vision board exercises can help you do this. So I guess the the key message of the book for me is are things that I mentioned earlier. First of all, you must create space in your life to discover or rediscover who you really are. And on top of that, it's okay to give yourself that space, that, that idea, she says, of, of that you are your most important investment. Uh, to me, those two concepts are at the heart of what this book is about, changing our mindset from thinking it's selfish to take time for yourself, instead to seeing it as an investment that will help you show up as your best self, empowered to make a real and lasting difference in the world. So my final thoughts, I guess, on this book, I I wouldn't classify this as great literature by any stretch. It is well-written. It comes from the perspective of a woman who has accomplished some pretty significant things in her life and who's thought about these things deeply. Um, It doesn't go deep into any of these categories, but instead introduces and touches on a broad set of topics that are 
I think, relevant to women who want to make a life that matters, but maybe have felt stuck or held back. There are lots of encouraging and inspirational words in this book and very practical tips um, on how to get started. All of that, I think, makes this book, Life Makeover by Dominique Saxe, a good summer read for getting some inspiration and some practical ideas on how to get started and moving in the direction of making a life that matters as you define it. I would love to know what you think. Have you read Life Makeover? Have you ever heard of Dominique? If you've read the book, what did you think? I'd love to hear your takeaways and and you could share those with us. And if you haven't read it, what is a productivity related book that you've read recently that you'd recommend that I check out? I'd love to hear from you. You can share your ideas, your suggestions, your questions in the comment section of the show notes for this episode, which you will find at theproductivewoman.com slash 403 or post a comment or question on the Productive Woman Facebook page. If you're a member of the Productive Woman Community Facebook group, that also is maybe the best place to continue the conversation about this book or about making a life that matters or other books or resources you can recommend for the rest of us. As always, if you prefer to share your thoughts with me privately, you can do that by emailing your questions, comments, or suggestions to me at feedback at theproductivewoman.com, and I'd love to hear from you. And that is it for this episode of The Productive Woman. As always, I am so grateful to you for spending this time with me. I hope you felt like it was time well spent. I look forward to talking with you again very soon. So until next time, remember... Extend grace to each other and to yourself and go make your life matter.